0: We've cranked it up to 11. It's episode 11 of the Mosen at Large podcast. Hi, I'm Jonathan Mosen. More reactions to iOS 13.2, and there is a fix for the hearing aid issue. Thanks to Andy for sharing that with us. Microsoft had a busy week as well, so we'll talk about that as well.
1: Mosen at Large. To be in touch, jonathan
0: at mushroomfm.com is my email address. You can send an audio attachment or just write something down there, or you can give the listener line a call on 864-60-MOSIN. That's 864-606-6736. Last week, I voiced the frustration of many people who actually sometimes find it hard to voice their own frustration because of their dual impairment. And I relate, of course, to the issue with iOS 13.2, which saw voiceover sounds coming through the speaker instead of hearing aids. And obviously this has a significant issue, not just for people like me who can actually hear the sounds on the speaker and just find it frustrating in meeting environments, but it's also frustrating for those who actually have such a significant hearing impairment that they can't hear the sounds over the speaker and don't even know that they're necessarily going out. And I had a lot of email from people expressing Frustration and thanking me for raising this because they weren't getting anywhere. I did also get this email. It's from Andy, and he says, Hi, Jonathan, in Podcast 10, you were talking about a problem many of us have been sharing on the email group where voiceover sounds are coming through the iPhone speaker rather than being streamed to the hearing aids. One list member seems to have found a fix, which, although it's not completely satisfactory, does seem to work, which isn't to say Apple should forget about establishing a permanent fix for it. Anyhow, here it is. And he describes it. And I'm going to do my best to show you. I should say that I, the, the first thing I did when I found this problem even back in the betas of iOS 13.2, was to go in here and have a look. What I didn't do was toggle it off and back on again. So there's a lesson there. So often when people, you know, family members, friends, whatever, come to me with tech problems, my first piece of advice is turn it off and on again. It is amazing how many things are fixed by turning off and back on again. It's a shame you can't do that with the planet, isn't it? But um, when I looked, I found that what I was hoping wasn't selected was selected and with it selected I thought okay so that's not the fix somebody had the foresight to try actually toggling off and back on and that does fix it so I have shared this on Twitter already the moment I got Andy's email I put out some tweets with this because I know how really difficult it has been for many hearing aid users who have spent good money on their iPhones, and in some cases, on the hearing aids too, where funding wasn't available. So it's been a huge concern for a very vulnerable group. So here we go. Let's say, open voiceover settings.
2: Let's take a look at the voiceover settings. That's
0: a good idea, that's what I wanted to do. So I'm going to scroll through now. We're going to find audio. Audio. All right, I'm going to double tap audio. Sounds and haptics. Can we navigate by hitting in the screen? Yes.
3: Audio, speech channels, sound channels, headphones, heading.
0: And this is sound channels, and actually that has its own heading as well. So navigates to the sound channels heading and flick right. Selected, headphones left, selected, headphones right. And the reason why it's saying headphones left and headphones right at the moment is because that's correct. Currently, we have the phone connected to the mixer. If you don't, and you probably won't, then you should be hearing the name of your hearing aids in here instead. If you are still getting the iPhone sounds coming through the speaker, all you do is double tap each of those and then double tap again. So once again, your hearing aids are selected and that's all there is to fixing it. It's been a fun week in technology, hasn't it? One of the coolest things that happened was the new release of Twitterific. It's marvellous. There's a fix that's just come out to this. But um, with the release of Twitterific that came out two or three days ago as the show's being put together, there was a really interesting bug where just at random, you'd hear the sender of a tweet as you were scrolling through your Twitter timeline or in Twitter lists. And then Twitterific would say with voiceover, null. It wouldn't speak the contents of the tweet. It would just say null. Sometimes if you flicked away and flicked back, you got the tweet. And if you really, really wanted to know what was in the tweet, you could double tap the tweet and bring up its little screen and it would be displayed in there. But it was kind of fun because when I was looking through, you know, I I have a list where I follow certain politicians. I don't want to be seen to be following politicians who I strongly disagree with, but I'm a political animal, so I like to know what's going on, you see. So I put them in this private list so no one knows that I'm looking at the tweets of certain politicians and things. And, you know, for example, uh, a, 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 certain, a certain president in the United States, he was in that list, and uh, he said, null. And I thought, dude, I thought to myself, dude, that is the most intelligent thing you've ever said on Twitter. I looked again, he said, null. I'm like, dude. dude. Yeah. So I think that, we should have have embraced the null. I mean, I know a lot of people contacted the Twitterific people and it's to their great credit that they did intercede pretty quickly and they've got this fix out right now. So if you want, you can go into the App Store, force your phone to look for updates by going into the My Account tab, assuming you're, or My Account button, uh, assuming that you're running iOS 13 and swipe down with three fingers and it will refresh the view and you'll find the new Twitterific right there. But we should embrace it now. It's kind of like a bleep. For example, wouldn't it be good if every time somebody tweeted soup, their tweet automatically said null? We should just embrace it like a kind of a a Twitterific bleep. You ain't nothing but a nulling null, you null. A null. I null you. Congratulations to the Icon Factory for fixing it so quickly. And I do note that Jack Dorsey, a few weeks ago, he's the big choose of Twitter. He says that maybe Twitter was a little bit too harsh with third party Twitter developers. And he's suggesting that they may reverse some of the changes that were implemented, which caused apps like Twitterific and other third-party apps to not be able to send you notifications of mentions and direct messages and things of that nature, so that is great that Twitter is rethinking this and wanting to embrace third-party apps more. If we can get Twitterific back again with notifications, I shall be I shall be a happy bunny.
4: Jonathan
0: it's an audio file from Derek Lane. That's what it is. Derek Lane. De- Lane. Lane. I wonder if Penny Lane is Derek's sister. Do you think that that's a, a possibility? No, I mean, they could be related. Don't be so disparaging in the production crew there. And he's going to talk about Reaper, so we could have a little jingle. I mean, assuming that he is related to Penny Lane in some way. How could it go? Uh here it on my PC and on my show. With Sun Reaper stuff, you need to know. Get ready, here we go.
3: Hi, Jonathan. Thought I'd stop by with a quick trick in Reaper Whoa. that you can do to help you edit bad things out of good programs. Oh, well, I word! I noticed in Podcast 8, when you wanted to beep the word soup out, oh, oh. you were adding the mm. beep, but it wasn't silencing the original audio. Yes, in the case it, of soup, I thought that was kind it, of there hilarious. It again. But in a case where you might want to remove some uh, very offensive language, you might actually want the audio to be muted. And I want to show you a very quick way to do this, where you don't have to worry about trying to figure out how long a particular piece of audio is that you want to cut and then, you know, generate a tone of that length and paste it in there. And This is a lot better. It's a lot easier. You need three things. You need the project you're working on. That's one thing. Open. You need a file containing a beep of whatever duration you like. There's two things. I have one that's five seconds long. There's a very long beep there. And then you need a scratch project that's just used for some temporary That's the third thing. The first thing to do is uh, take the audio with an offensive word in it. We'll use the word "soup." Oh my word! He's done it again. Like soup, and that's fine. And I will say, Jonathan thinks that soup sucks.
2: It's a fact, and I I have recorded
3: the fact that Jonathan thinks that soup sucks in Reaper. And so, what I'm going to do is a couple of things. First thing I'm going to do is navigate to the beginning of the item with Control-Left-Arrow. I'm going to press Tab, Jonathan, to put me on the J of Jonathan. Tab is a key that will normally in music go to the first transient, which is generally like a percussive sound. But in oh. Jonathan, was percussive He's enough Jonathan's to a transient. you refine that. So Fine. I can press Shift-Home and Delete to get rid of the breath immediately without having to scrub or anything. Jonathan thinks that... Okay. And now we have a nice tight edit on the front end of the uh, passage there. I'm going to press Alt-Shift-N to bring up another project and insert my f***ing file as an item in that project. Now that beep is actually quite a bit louder than... My speech. So I'm going to press shift page down to turn the take volume of that beep down. Good idea. That'll be good enough. All right. And now I'm going to press control C and copy the beep as an item to the clipboard. It's very important that the beep exists in the clipboard as an item from an audio file. Yes, you can put an effect on an item that would generate a tone, but depending on how your Reaper preferences are set, you might run into a situation where the tone would last longer than you would want. So, that's why it's important to have a as a piece of audio. Right. Okay. So now, what I'm going to do is control tab back to my project With the phrase, Jonathan thinks that soup sucks in it, and I'm going to make an item out of the word soup by scrubbing to its beginning and pressing A and scrubbing to its end and pressing A again. Jonathan thinks that pause, scrub, A, A sucks. Okay, now soup is an item, it is item two. And I can verify that by pressing Control Alt Space, Soups. And we heard a little bit of the S there because I have items crossfading when I split right now, which makes dialogue editing a little bit smoother. So, Soups is fine. Although we're just saying soup, not Soups, but that's all right. And the magic here is the action bound to Shift V. Shift V is an action that pastes an item as a take in the currently selected item. Now, when people are using Reaper to do music, they will use takes to, say, play an instrument multiple times or to sing a song multiple times, and then they can go back and take the best part of each take to get the final vocal. But in this particular case, when I press Shift-V, we're going to take the item that is soups and we're going to make it have two takes. The first take is going to be my voice, and the second take is going to be the beep. So I'm going to press Shift-V, which doesn't speak, but that's okay. (coughs) Sucks. Because when we press spacebar for play, we hear a beep as opposed to the word soup. And in context, now what we have is Jonathan thinks that s- sucks, which is quite amusing, but yet totally uninformative.
0: Well, but it's better than the alternative. Oh, has he finished? Yes, he's finished. Thank you very much. I would point out, if we listen to the beginning of this thing...
3: Hi, Jonathan. Thought I'd stop by with a quick... Trip. Okay, so,
0: so uh, he says he's going to stop by with a quick... And that quick is 5 minutes and 24 seconds long. Don't be a boss. No. Yeah. Anyway, it was very good. The thing is, though, Derek, it's
1: completely
0: irrelevant to me. I mean, I actually did know most of that stuff. And I'll prove it to you in just a second. Uh, but the reason why we do it the way we do it is that this show is not actually produced in Reaper. It is a live show. What you get with the podcast is simply a um, downsized version of a four-hour live show. So when I say the word soup and I bleep it, I'm doing it live. And, you know, yes, I could go back and um, tidy it up for the podcast version, but the whole point is that I have limited discretionary time in my new job. And people kept saying to me, why don't you do a podcast and everything like that? And so the easiest way to do that is to sort of distill the four-hour radio show into podcast form. So if I spend too much time going through and retrofitting it and doing effects to it, then it just becomes too convoluted and I won't have the time to do it. But nevertheless, it's useful to get free Reaper advice of that kind. It may be useful to a number of people. So thank you, Derek, for taking the time to do such a clear and cogent demonstration. Now, I have been bleeping things out for a long, long time in various uh, sound editors. My favorite thing of bleeping that I've ever done... (laughs) Was for a show that we had on Mushroom FM some time ago called Go Folk Yourself, which is just a fantastic title. As you can gather, it was a folk show and it was done by Shannon Curry. You should come back and do it again, Shannon. It was a brilliant show. And, um, of course, it was just calling for a promo like this. So just to um, reestablish my beep creds or my bleep creds in uh, the the recorded domain, here's the promo that we used to have for it. So you like a bit of contemporary folk music, do you? Well, you know what we say to that? Go f*** yourself. (laughs) You like a dollop of the traditional folk too, huh? Well, we say... Go f yourself. Oh, you're partial to a bit of grass, are you? Blue grass, I'm talking about. Yeah, that's lame. Well frankly, all we have to say about that is go f yourself. That's so wrong it is. Celtic music stirs your soul, does it? Truly. Go f**k yourself. Hey, listen, Mr. Production Engineer, the FCC can't do a thing about Mushroom FM. We can say go folk yourself as often as we want. Go folk yourself with Shannon Curry. We'll play your folk, Celtic and bluegrass favourites and expand your musical horizons as well. Go folk yourself with Shannon Curry. Monday mornings at 10 Eastern, exclusive to Mushroom FM. It's a folk and awesome show, dude. There you go. And that was done with, I believe, Studio Recorder. And uh, sacrilege though it may be for Derek, I still find Studio Recorder one of the best tools out there for spoken word editing, much better than Reaper in the sense that you can do some very precise scrubbing. And uh, so we actually, if we do need to do any editing for this podcast, we do it in Studio Recorder and not Reaper. Similarly, Roger Stewart, he says that Reaper demo was interesting, but I find doing that much easier and simpler using Gold Wave. You just select the word to bleep and then in the effects menu there is a sensor category and there's a beep already there for you so there you go it's nice to have multiple ways to do the same thing isn't it
1: hey
5: jonathan it's francisco crespo from argentina
0: don't it cry is always for me good to
5: listen to the podcast don't have time in the. Afternoon of the Saturday to listen to the full show, but I very much enjoy the most at large. I wanted to comment on some of the topics. Um, it is definitely annoying the bag of notifications repeating and keeping on the top of the screen all the time while the screen is unlocked. But let me tell you about another issue that it seems like no everybody is experiencing. Even if you dismiss the notification so that that strip doesn't stay on top of the screen, you get... I am experiencing a really annoying issue, which is that every time I press... The side button, even if and I had a notification that I didn't read, that I dismissed, it was not on screen. <coughs> Sorry, but it was still in, in the notification center. Every time I press the side button, VoiceOver says, for example, messages, Francisco, notification. And it says notification because, yeah, I got a Face ID device and so um, When you log the screen It is not supposed to reveal The text of the message That I got But it is very annoying Because sometimes when I want to log the screen It's because I am in class Or I'm at a meeting And what I really want voice server to do Is to shut up (laughs) And it doesn't It doesn't do that way It keeps on reading a notification I reported this to Apple, and they quickly answered that they're not able to reproduce and sending a screen recording of the issue so that they can understand it and hopefully fix it by, let's say iOS version 18. (laughs) (laughs) What a cynic. (laughs) They're taking too long to fix accessibility issues. and the other thing I wanted to talk about is the guide dog issue. Um, I think Buck rehab in the United States could easily get involved with um, with guide dog schools and financing some of the trainings for the for the guide dog teams. Keep in mind that they are already offering the posi- there is already a possibility, and I'm sure Bonnie knows about this to send a rehabilitation client to one of these uh, NFB training centers, which I had the opportunity to attend, the Colorado one, and it's really good. And they are private centers. They charge a lot. I'm sure that the amount that the we rehab is paying for this training is way beyond the... The number that they were paying for a guide the, the number they would pay for a guide dog if they if they had to uh i knew that some of the centers were ch- charging like seven thousand dollars per month per students of uh, per student of course to the bug rehab so i'm sure that they would have no problems spending like the 30 or forty thousand bucks um on, on a guide dog so it, It would be cool to have that alternative way of financing dogs That could help them, their schools And they could at the same time keep on doing their fundraising events uh, The way they are doing today It is always great, great to listen to your show, Jonathan And I will keep listening to you Thanks.
0: Quite right. Thank you very much, Francisco. We've been talking about quite a few problems with iOS 13 over the last few weeks, and it is a really buggy release, and there's more stuff to come from listeners who want to chime in on this. And I think one of the reasons why there's such a high level of frustration at the moment is that it's really difficult to get interaction from Apple to at least feel like you're being heard. And I would contrast this with an experience I have had just in the last 24 hours or so with Microsoft. Now, I left Facebook in 2017 after the whole Cambridge Analytica thing and was very relieved to get off Facebook. And then work, Ira at that stage really required me to be back on Facebook so that I could interact with explorers there. So I sort of reluctantly got back on Facebook and added a few people that I didn't mind hearing from and have kept a pretty low profile on Facebook because it's a pretty dodgy thing in my opinion. And there's lots of evidence for this. When I did that, when I got off Facebook, I vowed to use LinkedIn more. I like the principle of LinkedIn a lot. And Of all the social networks that I've used, LinkedIn has the best signal to noise ratio. I found that I've got really good quality material from LinkedIn news I can use. But the one thing that has always frustrated me about LinkedIn is the awful user interface in iOS from a voiceover perspective. In the sense that sometimes it can take up to nine swipes nine flicks single finger flicks to get through one post with voiceover when you're reading in the timeline and as you can appreciate if you're not interested in the post and you just want to move on to the next one that's a pretty inefficient experience there are buttons for liking something or reacting and opening the post and finding out more information about the person who sent it and on and on it goes And in a worst case scenario, that could be nine swipes. And so back in 2017, I had an exchange with the Microsoft Accessibility people, and I came up with a kind of a broadly designed user interface that would address this. And they sort of said, thanks very much. And nothing ever changed. And I didn't use LinkedIn very much. When I became a chief executive, I realized that it was more important than ever for me to be on LinkedIn, partly because, again, news you can use, but also because it's important for me to be seen to be there sharing information about what our organization was up to and items of interest to our organization. And it just really annoyed the soup out of me to um, have to wade through this molasses-like user interface. And I wondered, you know, is it me or is it everybody who feels this way? So I did a little sounding on Twitter the other day and I said, does anybody else find this a bit convoluted in LinkedIn? And quite a few people got in touch and said that, yes, they did. So I thought, why not post about this on LinkedIn itself? And so I wrote an article on LinkedIn about the user interface from a blindness perspective for iOS and I tweeted links to it. I put it on Facebook and out it went. And it's had a few views. Now, what's interesting about this is that Jenison Assumption, who is a blind person himself and is head of accessibility for LinkedIn, took the time to comment on my article on LinkedIn. And he said, you're absolutely spot on with what you say. So no defensiveness at all. And he said, separately from this, we've already been working on a streamlined iOS interface for voiceover users, which you'll see soon, and gave me an address for further comment. And I just thought, this is why Microsoft is getting so much credit, justifiably so, in the accessibility space right now. There's no doubt that Apple will never be able to have taken away from them that they led the way, no doubt at all. But they're kind of aloof, aren't they? That's that's their culture. And it's not just a disability thing. It's a cultural thing, although Apple support will answer sometimes. They will answer sometimes, not at other times. For example, I ask the general Apple support address, is there any reason why made-for-iPhone hearing aids can't use the share feature that now exists where people with airpods and compatible headphones can listen to the same stream because if you think about it if you are a hearing aid user it would be great if you could both hear the same say tv show uh, your non-hearing impaired significant other with their airpods or whatever and you with your hearing aids it'd be marvelous and i said is there any reason why that can't happen and never got an answer to that when i Engage on social media with Microsoft, I almost always get a reply and it's a meaningful reply. And this is another example where the head of accessibility for LinkedIn owned the issue, uh, felt that my post was worthy of response, and offered one. So I will include in the show notes to the podcast version a link to my LinkedIn post and you can read his comment there. There's also a second lesson to be learned in this. My comment on LinkedIn was couched in very positive terms, that Microsoft had done a lot and that that inspired me to hope that if I could just get these concerns to the right ears, that Microsoft would listen and take some action. If I had gone in being abusive, then I suspect, you know, that, that there are humans at the other end of all these processes, right? So sometimes it's all about the way that you couch these things, but it's a very positive outcome that we are going to see some improvements in LinkedIn, and I look forward to that. But gosh, I really do wish that uh, there would be some meaningful interaction on social media uh, or in our community from people at Apple who are actually uh, informed enough and empowered enough to make a difference.
1: Rosen at Large Podcast.
6: Hey, Jonathan. This is Jim from Sunny Gainesville, Florida. Hey,
0: uh, Sunny Jim Why from Sunny Jim.
6: wanted touch base and comment on yeah. a couple things on the last show. First off, with BARD, or the National Library Service for the Blind BARD, the app we use, uh, you were talking about language and content and such. I want to share that they adopted something back, I guess, in the 70s or 80s, where they would say some strong language
0: or so strong some language. descriptions of Oh, my word! We have that here, too explicit descriptions of soup well my word so I've been reading adult
6: level books like Sidney Shelton's and stuff like that even John Jakes uh, since the uh, 80s so uh, you know they I don't think they've hindered our content you'll go blind much in that respect I know blind, there's I some organizations that have I uh, also wanted to comment on this Apple situation with apps I use the GPS app. I used to use uh, the Braille Note version of it, uh, sendero's GPS. And, you know, like with your companies and with, you know, Mike May, you all have done wonderful jobs with a lot of these organizations. And when you all have moved on, sometimes they've kept the status quo and kept it good, and other times they've had some challenges. Uh, I believe that Mike had the best of intentions and always has the best of intentions for the product, but you know, he's moved on and I'm hoping that uh, Ira and the group will will get with this and get it fixed because the one thing I will say is, is when these things don't work, when we pay for, you know, we get to look at the consumer market, which I know you're a huge advocate like I am for, and I'm using soundscapes right now, which is nowhere near as good. I opened blind ways, which I think is more of a transportation app, which isn't really that effective where I'm at. Uh, but I did be interested to hear of other similar GPS apps, both for the blind and that are blind friendly that other people are using while we're dealing with the sabbatical of 13.2, you know, we become dependent on these things. And in the case of GPS, uh, and other apps like that, we're actually paying customers, they're not freebies. Um. And so when you have paid for something as I have for my monthly subscription and it's not working, it's, it's kind of a bummer and the same with the iPhone. You pay for it you know, and you're not getting the same level of service that you probably should be getting. So I think they'll work it all out. I'm just kind of disappointed and a little frustrated, but I'd be interested to hear what other successful uh, apps people are using out there. They either are meant for the blind or just to be blind friendly.
0: Thanks, Jim. I didn't know that there was an issue with the Sendero app or whatever it's now called. Um, Ira, own it now in iOS 13.2 because we don't have that here. It's uh, one of those apps that's not available in New Zealand, nor is Soundscape, and nor is one of the suggestions I'm going to give to you, which is that since you are in sunny Gainesville, Florida, sunny Jim, (laughs) that means that you are in the United States and recently Google Maps has come out with a new version that has detailed walking directions for blind people. And I haven't heard from anybody about how well that is working and perhaps somebody can let us know, but that would be worth a try because you've got the very detailed and quite accurate, from my understanding, Google Maps with detailed walking directions all in the one app. Failing that, if you need a little bit more than the iOS maps offer you in terms of walking directions by default, what you may want to do is use Blind Square in conjunction with the Apple Maps app for walking. BlindSquare is a great app. I know a lot of people use that. They've just recently got IRA integration as well, where as you're strolling by, you can be told about any IRA access locations that are nearby. So there are a couple of ideas, but let's open it up and find out what other people's recommendations would be for GPS. And if you are in the United States and you've given this Google Maps extended walking directions for blind people a try, I'd be really interested to hear how that goes. Michael Munn. Hi, Michael Mann. He wants to know, do I have the latest iPhone? I do. I bought an iPhone 11 Pro Max. And I love it. I particularly love the battery life. The battery life on this thing is amazing. It's kind of really meaningful battery life. That means that when I'm jet setting around the country and using the phone a lot, for example, on Tuesday, I left the house at when would that have been about eight o'clock? But I think I took the phone off charge at about six thirty while I was wandering around so 6 30 a.m left the house went to the airport so I was doing a lot of phoning and communicating and emailing and things on the way to the airport and then at the airport the plane on the way home had free wi-fi I used it at a luncheon I was hosting at my destination uh, as my book reading type device because I use I read from braille with voice dream reader Made lots of phone calls, got home, and when I got home and put the phone was ready to put the phone back on charge at about eight that night, I still had about fifty two percent it 's absolutely phenomenal battery life it 's got this really interesting triangular camera bump at the back it 's odd i don 't know what Steve Jobs would have thought of the aesthetics of that, but nevertheless, I really do like the phone very much, and if we could just Get some of the software anomalies sorted out, then we would be in good shape. Mosin
1: at Large podcast. Hi there, Jonathan. My name is Matt Durkins. I live in Ontario, Canada. I'm a uh, brand new listener to uh, Mushroom FM here and there and your podcast. And I'm really enjoying what you put out well, on thank the you. air. Thank and, you very much. Uh, I wanted to come by with a quick little tip for those who may have noticed that your google home mini is no longer speaking and we have two google home minis in the house and they are now bricked Um, and the reasoning behind this is because there was a software update that came out over the air as they all do and uh, well you wake up one morning and you give the command and there's nothing no speech no response from the volume and when you call ira They say that there's four LED lights, and when you try to reset it, there is a single green light, and when you release the button, it goes back to the LED lights. So the only solution that Google has provided so far, which I have taken advantage of at the moment for one device, is you call Google support, explain what's going on, and they will replace your item they'll put a authorization of the total amount on your credit card. And then once the, uh, once the item, the defective item comes back to Google, then they will give you your money back, which is nice. So I'm hoping that that fixed the issue, but they did tell me that when I get the new one to call technical support and they said they could help me set it up. But I'm like, well, I know how to set this up. My only concern is if I get this new device, and it bricks again, then I've just wasted you know 80 dollars, which yes, I'll get it back, but that's still not the point.
0: Thank you for that. I did read in the tech news about this unfortunate firmware issue that Google has had with some Google home models, and stuff happens. so what soup happened? <laughs> let me, let me try and do it the Derek way <laughs> <laughs> happens. <laughs> What really matters is what people do when the soup happens, right? And so it sounds like Google is looking after its customers in this regard, and that's great. We had a defective amazon ring video doorbell and we were so impressed with the quality of the customer support we got in terms of replacing that doorbell and replacing it really quickly so you know i think most people are tolerant of the fact that sometimes things go wrong and if you looked after well then you move on and you say well you know that was that was quite good customer service it sounds like google is doing that in new zealand google home isn't officially supported which is just extraordinary so that's why the old drinker has uh, so much of a hold in New Zealand. People do parallel import Google Home devices, but officially Google Home's not supported here. And yet it is in Australia. But since we have our Sonos devices set to the US as its region so we can get Sirius XM, which we listen to a lot, we did set up one of our Sonos devices as a Google Home to sort of see what it was like. And I don't know whether... It's just the Sonos implementation of the Google Home that's sluggish. But we found it quite sluggish and a bit disappointing. So we've switched back to the jolly old drinker in the meantime. Your comment about Sonos suggests that maybe it's just a systemic problem with the interface between Sonos and Google. So that will be interesting. Email from Londa Peterson. She says, hi, Jonathan. I have a Q Braille XL. And Absolutely love it. I use it with my Surface Pro as a portable solution. It gives me the productivity of Windows and the portability of an iPad. I tried the Focus, but I actually found that the spacebar was too short. I had to stretch my thumb to reach it. It caused pain between my thumb and first finger. I often use my Surface totally without a QWERTY keyboard. I have had audio problems, but not with the Surface sound card itself. I have them when I use my Aftershocks. Since you haven't noticed your battery taking too much of a hit, I'm going to try using Silenzio. I've had good results with it with some of my students, so I'd expect it to work well. I love the podcast. Thanks for doing it, says Londa Peterson. Thank you, Londa. And I totally take the point about the length of the spacebar on the Focus devices. When I think about it, if I'm sitting here with my hands ready to braille, so my fingers are on the six dots, my thumb is naturally resting on a bit of real estate. And actually, right now, I have the Focus 40 Blue fourth generation in the studio. We now have that permanently in the studio because Bonnie's got a Focus 40 blue fifth generation so uh, but I think the same is pretty much true of the newer one my thumb is just resting on a kind of a blank part of the surface at uh, the right hand side of the space bar so I absolutely take that point I guess if HIMS had put the space bar of the length they have at the bottom then yes I'd be I'd be in but it's a it's a fair call regarding your comment about how long or not long the space bar is on the focus display. I must admit it's something I hadn't really noticed before and it hasn't caused me any issue, but I can understand why it might cause some people issues. But yes, the implementation of Braille and JAWS is absolutely fantastic, isn't it? And I often find myself in situations where I do want to use my laptop, my cute little HP Spectre Folio, and I use it with Braille exclusively as well. You can lie it down there in tablet mode, and uh, you can pretty much do everything. Well, you can. You can do everything with your Braille device when it's paired, and the Braille input is just phenomenally good. Brailing in contracted Braille into a Word document or an Outlook email or whatever it is. So, good perspective, Londa. Thank you so much.
1: Aaron
0: is listening over the Echo Buds. Yes, it is that time when all of those... Amazon products that were promised are being delivered. Nick Zamadelli is listening on his brand new Echo Studio. Sounds mighty good, says Nick. I was reading an article from The Verge earlier in the week where they were reviewing the Echo Studio and it got a very favorable review. Not as good as a Sonos Play 5, he says, but much better than most other speakers. He seemed to be indicating in this review that it was better than the Apple HomePod. One of the big things that they are touting in this Echo Studio is support for this new 3D audio format. And when it works the way it's supposed to, you're supposed to be able to close your eyes if you have eyes to close. And the sound should sound like it's coming from everywhere, not just where the speaker is placed. You should be able to hear the sound coming from behind you. Uh The guy from The Verge wasn't really convinced, but he said it did sound really good. So if you're getting some of the new Amazon technology, how's it working out? Is the Amazon Ring out yet? That's an interesting piece of technology I'd be interested in hearing more about if it's out and people have that. And of course, the AirPod Pros have been around for a while now, so people do actually have those. If you have them, how are the AirPod Pros working for you?
2: Hi, Jonathan, it's Mae Thompson here. Hello, Mae Thompson. Well, I'm wondering, Jonathan, if you've ever tried to do a shortcut with BBC Sounds. BBC um, Sounds? I did. I told Siri to play Radio 5 Live, Radio 4 Extra, but I can't seem to get them to play Radio 4. Um, don't know why. And I went into Siri and search, and you know how it used to say, ''New Shortcuts?'' or I think it said all no it said all shortcuts at the top well they've changed it because there's not any all shortcuts anymore when you go in there so I don't suppose it's that important but it annoys me when I can't do something Hmm. and another thing I wondered what does auto speak mean on your on your (laughs) your, I was going to say braille watch on your apple watch because I don't know what that is because I've tried to, when it says enable Autospeak, to double tap it and nothing happens. So I have no idea what Autospeak is.
0: A couple of things. I don't think BBC Sounds supports Siri Shortcuts. An app actually has to be specifically programmed and developed to support Shortcuts. And I'm not aware that BBC Sounds does at this point. The problem you are having with some BBC Streams is because the BBC has chosen to take most of its streams off TuneIn only for the UK. And TuneIn is where Siri is getting BBC streams from. So, for example, if I wind up my iPhone here and I say, Play BBC Radio 4. Okay, playing BBC Radio 4. The, the, these yeah yeah and on it goes so it works for me because I'm not in the UK it doesn't work for you because you are go figure uh, I'm glad I'm not in the UK at the moment I mean I'm glad I'm not dude I'm oh, sorry Boris uh, well, but you know it is, it, is, it is all a bit turbulent and uncertain over there dude yeah so that's why now the auto speak on your Apple watch let me fire up my Apple watch here if I push the button. 9:28 a.m. and 46 seconds. And that's all it says. Now I'm going to flick to the right. Partly cloudy day. 17 degrees. Feels like 17 degrees. H. 18 L. 9. And now I'll flick down. Control center. Notification center. Enable auto speak. And double tap.
1: Auto speak enabled.
0: Now we'll just wait for the Apple Watch to hibernate. Okay. Now it definitely has hibernated. Now let's try one more time.
1: 9:29
3: a.m. and 53 seconds. Partly cloudy day. 17 degrees. Feels like 17 degrees. H. 18L.
0: 9. Okay. So that worked as advertised. Now that I have enabled autospeak for that complication, when I woke up the watch from a standby state, it speaks it. That's what it does. Jolly useful. So some people do it so that it says the time and then the battery status, for instance, or the time and when your next appointment is. Jolly useful, isn't it?
1: Rosen at
0: One hundred and sixty eight thousand one hundred and forty nine. That precise number was the number that was awarded to text messages that were originally sent on Valentine's Day that only turned up in the US a few days ago. One hundred and sixty eight thousand one hundred and forty nine. But then after doing the release, the company responsible for the exchange of text messages between cellular networks in the United States actually said, no, we were wrong. In fact, there are a lot more of those text messages that went missing than the 168,149 that we previously said. Wrong. So what normally happens with a text message is if you send one, it gets delivered within seconds. Whoosh. And we're talking standard SMS here, not iMessage or anything like that. These are the the basic text messages that anybody can get. But apparently on Valentine's Day something went wrong. So if, if by chance the message doesn't get delivered within a few seconds... It gets held for a few days, three days, I believe it is, and they keep trying on a regular basis. And then if the text message can't be delivered, it gets discarded and the metadata is kept a bit longer. In other words, who sent the message to whom? But the actual contents is gone within a very short period. For some reason, when the server glitch happened on Valentine's Day, it was like everything went into suspended animation until just a few days ago. And by the sounds of it, we're talking hundreds of thousands. It sounds like at least 200,000, I would think is fair to say, messages got stuck in a queue somewhere and they all got delivered just a few days ago. Now, the unfortunate thing about the timing of this is that they are Valentine's Day texts. So you can imagine somebody saying, you know, you don't even love me enough to text me on Valentine's Day. And then I did text you. I swear I did. Well, I didn't get it. How do you explain that? Well, I don't know. And on it goes, you see. And I mean, relationships could have been exploded as a result. Possibly. Because people are miffed that their significant other or whatever didn't even send them a text. Although I would have thought that if you didn't get a text from someone on valentine's day you'd you'd want a bit more than a text on valentine's day anyway wouldn't you nevertheless this is a lot of messages that have been sort of stuck in purgatory and suddenly released out of limbo if i can mix the metaphors and they all just turned up overnight a few days ago it's kind of weird and humorous but it does also have its sad side some people reported getting messages from partners who've now passed on or from people who they're now no longer associated with and the breakups have been painful for them, or from relatives who've died, you know. So it's kind of a quirky, weird story, but it's also got its unpleasant side as well if you really are genuinely trying to move on and you've been struggling with moving on and suddenly you get a fresh text from this person. And if that person happens no longer to be alive anymore that can be that can weird you out can't it so did you get any of these if you're in the united states did you get any of these text messages that were suddenly released from limbo let's go to hungary now and hear from peter i hope i've got that pronunciation correct He says, Hi, Jonathan. Daylight saving time has not yet been abolished in the European Union. In fact, it is being abolished. As far as I can understand, the European Parliament has made the decision to scrap it. But in order to have it put into law, the European Council must agree as well. And that's not yet happened. The last weekend of October, we in Hungary certainly switched our clock back to standard time. Thanks for the show, Jonathan. My best wishes from Budapest. The Echo Buds, says Aaron, are awesome. I have two assistants on one phone. I love them and use them daily. So there you go. There is a thumbs up. While we're talking about earbuds, here's email from Petra. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning, Petra. I got the AirPods Pro on Thursday evening. Whoa. I love them. My left AirPod always fell out. So I got ear hooks to keep that from happening. With the AirPods Pro, says Petra, no problem. They are so comfortable for me. I easily forget that I'm wearing them. They get good reviews, you know, these AirPod Pros. They really do get good reviews. And one of the things that I thought was quite interesting is that there's a feature in iOS where if you put the AirPods in your ear, you can conduct these tests where it sends these test tones. It sounds like the sort of thing that audiologists have access to. And it plays the test tone and it can tell based on, I guess, what the microphone of your iPhone or maybe the microphones of the AirPods pick up Whether you've got the snuggest fitting little, what do they call those things? Tips on your AirPods or not. If you haven't, it will recommend either a larger or a smaller tip be fitted to your AirPods. Cool, eh?
1: Charlie Crawford.
0: I've been having a little natter with Charlie. Because Susan, his wife, Sue, is going to be getting a new laptop. And he's asked for my opinion on like a no-frills laptop, no touchscreen or any of this mm -mm malaki. Just a good, solid laptop that goes well, reliable. And I said to Charlie that he and Sue should check out the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Carbon. We got one of these for Bonnie a couple of years ago, and again, we had excellent service when there was some weird battery behavior that went on, and Lenovo was fantastic about um, taking care of that in a timely manner, so that was great, but it's not got a touchscreen, the speaker is not that good. I mean, it's better than the Toshiba I used to use, the Z30C. But then what isn't? That is just an abomination in terms of speaker quality. But the Lenovo is pretty bad. But it is a nice machine. No touchscreen, at least not in the version that Bonnie has. It does have the built-in LTE, which can be incredibly useful. I would not go back to a laptop without built-in LTE. I just like getting my laptop out, my HP Spectre, which does have a HP Spectre Folio, which does have a touchscreen. But that said, there is a version of the HP Spectre that doesn't have a touchscreen. So the HP Spectre would be another nice machine to check out. And I believe the Dell, is there a Dell XPS or is it SPX, I forget, (laughs) 13 and 15 that doesn't have a touchscreen as well. They're pretty popular computers as well. But Thinkpads are good. I've always had a soft spot for Thinkpads. I owned Different ThinkPads for a long stretch of about ten years, and loved them. So um, I'd, I'd recommend the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Carbon. But if you have any recommendations for a no-frills, non-touchscreen laptop that you could recommend for Charlie and Sue, by all means, let me know. David Harvey says, "Would the Workbridge centres? Oh, here we go. I've got to put on my work hat. Would the Workbridge centres become Ira Access locations?" <laughs> Uh Yeah, I guess I wouldn't rule it out, David. Loving the new podcast. I'm not sure whether that's in the context of this tweet, the new Workbridge podcast, but it could be. And this is quite timely because I was having an email exchange with Party Dog the other day. And if you haven't heard Party Dog's show, well, what are you waiting for? He's on a Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And it's repeated on Monday morning at 4 a.m. Eastern Time with the Party Dog Show. And it's upbeat and it's fun. And he's our newest fun guy and doing a fantastic job. And Party Dog said to me, it would be good to learn a bit more about your day job and what you're doing. What are you doing in your day job? And it does remind me to mention that Workbridge, the organization of which I am chief executive, has a podcast that uh, well, you know we've all got to do our bit don't we and I thought well starting a podcast for Workbridge is, is something I could do and so it's in most of the places that people get their podcasts and it's called Mahi that's M-A-H-I and it is called that because Mahi is the Māori name for work Māori being our indigenous people of New Zealand and we've done two episodes so far so if you are really interested in uh, what I'm doing at that uh, organisation you can listen to Mahi and um Check it out in your podcast app of choice. Aaron is saying that the Dell XPS are good. Love my surface, but that has a touch screen. Here is a message from Kelby Carlson. Jonathan, after much hesitation, I finally took the plunge to iOS 13.2 after the resolution of the most major bugs. Boy, I mean, boy, was it a mistake. I now wish I had never updated beyond iOS 10 from adjusting things no one asked for. How do you know this? like strange noises while typing in Braille, but he has capitalized the Braille, so you get points, to cluttering the share sheets with suggested contacts, to taking away things that have always been there, even such minor things as changing the default sound for a new email to none. They have enhanced the user experience so much that it actually makes me long for the simplicity of a note taker. There are many things, says Kelby, I love about the iPhone, but none of the customization that comes with iOS 13 makes up for all of the random annoyances which I've only just discovered in the last day and I haven't even listened a quarter of the world. So I'll echo anyone who says to stay away from iOS 13. Stick with iOS 10, everybody. Gee, Kelby, uh, tell us what you really think. Some of the things I've just gotten used to, like the share sheet, it did really annoy me for a while, and it took me a while to get the share sheet back into shape in a way that I like. But I have now sort of come to enjoy being able to, you know, the people I text the most, particularly family members, it's kind of nice if you see an article that might be of interest to a family member, and they're right there on the share sheet to send a text message to. I sort of think that can be quite useful. But it's all about one's adaptability to change and also whether the change is good or not. Not all change is progress. One of the things I do like about iOS 13 is the new activities feature. And if you haven't played with this, the way this works is that you can assign activities to a particular app or you can turn activities on in your Roses uh, options and invoke different activities depending on what you're doing. And this is a concept that's been ported over from the Mac, and I I really do like it a lot. The thing that frustrates me is what's not there. And there are two things I would really like to see added to activities. One is hints. There are some applications where turning on hints gives you really useful information. For example, Overcast, my iOS app of choice for podcasting, like Overcast a lot. And when you have hints enabled, when you flick through your podcast episodes, you get a little bit of a a description of the podcast, which is really handy to know. Do I want to listen to this podcast? And if not, then you can just delete it and you're on your merry way. If you turn hints off, you don't get that description. So I want hints on. When I'm using Overcast, what I don't want hints on for is those apps that just have basic things on buttons like double tap to activate. I mean, I, I've i been using iOS long enough that I don't want that stuff, but you can't turn hints on or off in an activity. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would really like in iOS activities is the option to toggle whether notifications are spoken immediately or not. If I'm just flicking through tweets and I get a notification from email or breaking news or whatever, I don't mind my tweets being interrupted with that notification. If I'm reading a book on Kindle and the notification pops up right when I'm in the middle of a Kindle page and it's just some random, you know, so-and-so liked your comment or something, then I have to find where I was in the middle of the page and start again. I would be quite happy simply to hear the Bleep that I've got a notification and when I've reached the end of a page or a chapter or just a point at which I want to pause, I would like to be able to take a look at my notification then. But you can't do that either. So it's a really cool feature and I hope that it is something that will be expanded in future versions of iOS With at least those additions, what would you like to see in activities? Here is Jesper, all the way from Denmark. It is a joy once again, he says, to listen to you and your thoughts, opinions and ideas about anything blindness and technology, life and everything related on your condensed version of Mosin Explosion. Unfortunately, I rarely have the chance to listen to your show on Saturday nights, but usually find the time to listen to the podcast during the week at some point. In my work, still as an AT and accessibility consultant at the Danish Association of the Blind, I have, up till now, been using an odd combination of Outlook's task function, Excel, and Notes on my note taker and iPhone to keep track of my various tasks and projects. So I guess you can understand my joy when I heard of Todoist and that it is indeed accessible at least on iOS and to a much lesser degree on Windows. I am running the Danish setup, says Jesper, and the language parser is actually doing a good job when it comes to using natural language when setting up tasks and due dates. That's awesome to hear. I love that app for that. I, however, have noticed that when I create a task and have filled out what I believe I should fill out and hit create, I have no way of exiting the quick task screen and to get back to the project view. If I then close the app and reopen it, the back button is then visible. I am running the (laughs) ill-fated iOS 13.2 and the newest version of Todoist. Is there maybe a view setting or something else I might be missing out on here? To the best of my knowledge, no, there is not anything that you are missing. I have seen this too in the new list, a version of Todoist, which is called Todoist Foundations. I like the app a lot. It's just saved me so much time entering tasks because of the natural language parser. But. I agree. This is a bit of a problem and I've written to them and they wrote back and said, you know, sorry to hear about this. We're going to look into it. Uh, So it was good to get some good customer service there. And hopefully we will see a fix for this because I understand Todoist Foundations. This new version is quite a significant rewrite of the app. So at the moment I do what you do. Exit the app, come back into the app. Uh, Not the best experience, but I'm hoping it's temporary. Here's an email from Ian Lackey, who had a birthday the other day. Happy birthday, Ian, belatedly. Hi, Jonathan. After last week's podcast, I thought I would send in a couple of comments. First, on dogs. I was adamant that our family would not get a dog. However, constant pressure eventually forced me to relent. Yes, I know. <laughs> and just over two years ago, we got our little Puppy, he's a bit on the small side to be a guide dog, and he has a very small brain. However, I reckon he has a big heart. Oh, and I find it hard now to imagine being without him. Second on books, you're talking about reimagined history and rather dystopian tales. Caused me to wonder if you have read any of Robert Harris's books. You could start with Fatherland, a book set in 1964, with Germany having won World War II in the West and Hitler still in power. His latest book, The Second Sleep, is set in an England which appears to be medieval. However, all is not as it seems. All his novels are well worth reading. I have heard about Fatherland on many occasions, Ian, and it's one of those books that I've always intended to read, but I haven't read it yet. Maybe over the forthcoming summer, yes, it is summer, where I'm getting another glorious month off to enjoy the cricket. And yes, I've rehabilitated my cricketness after making it through a match last week. Just read whatever I like. I think I will add Fatherland to my list and definitely get it done. So thank you for the reminder, Ian. A significant segment of the show like this one deserves a special announcement. So let's give it one. Soup drinker, announce it's the body bulletin.
2: Announcing. It's the body bulletin.
0: Oh, yeah, it, it cuts it off. Anyway, it is. So welcome to you, Bunny. Hello, how are you? Oh, mate, I am just so super well. The weather's better, isn't it?
4: Oh, yeah, it's it's a bit... Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit... Ah. It's a bit cold. It was cold like a still.
0: fifth octave G or A flat or something. You.
4: It's just, a bit cold still. It's no, not it's that not. warm. It is. It's
0: cold. It's damp and rainy. It's, and that's just rubbish. It is. I mean, we've had a beautiful week for the most part. We had a lovely time at the cricket last Sunday. And New Zealand won that cricket Yeah, that, cricket was nice that was a nice day Lovely, really good Got, day Got uh, to about 20 degrees So not too hot, not too cold In the Goldilocks zone Oh, it was epic And did you enjoy the cricket?
4: I did I was actually able to pay attention for three hours That's about my limit I <laughs> definitely <laughs> could not do a all-day one I oh, definitely could not What do about the, fi- the no, five-day no test? No way yeah. Three hours
0: was enough in the World Cup, you went to the New Zealand-Bangladesh game in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. and That was a full one day.
4: A long day.
0: Yes, and then you also didn't you come with us to the quarterfinal where I we played so. the West Indies? Yeah, yeah. Oh my word, that was yeah, a good it's game. Just, up. It's it all got yeah, a double century and that. Oh, it was tremendous. Yes, that's Eclipse having a little. A little. She gets very excited when we're both. She does. She's in down here with her
4: leopard, her snow leopard.
0: Yeah, right. right, she hasn't and upgraded yet
4: No, and speaking she of hasn't... snow leopards, we went to the zoo on Tuesday
0: Well, you did, I didn't I,
4: did. I went to the
0: zoo And what happened at the zoo?
4: Well, Bonnie's taking us to the zoo tomorrow, zoo <laughs> tomorrow, zoo tomorrow. <laughs> It wasn't the nicest day because oh, it no. was windy
0: yeah.
4: and cold and cloudy So a lot of the animals didn't come out Oh dear They like the sun
0: I hope you got your money back
4: i didn't have to pay all right because well, um, you're blind no because i was with a group that <laughs> oh. i was one of the staff members with the oh. group from work i see eclipse was fascinated by the monkeys and the monkeys were fascinated by eclipse they were these little tamarind monkeys she was standing at the glass looking in at them and they came over and were looking at her there was a couple of areas that we weren't supposed to go in the mm. zoo because of eclipse and one was the neighbor's Area where there's a lot of Australian animals like kangaroos and a dingo and ostriches, I think. Mm. So we couldn't go in there, and we weren't supposed to go in the farmland area. You were
0: eaten an ostrich burger?
4: No. Mm. Is it good? Not too bad. Mm. And we, were, we were I, was,
0: that, was that what inspired you, not the ostrich burgers, but all the monkeys and things that you saw, to suggest to me over the week that they need to do a version of the Ira call <laughs> tone? Um, to to sound like an ape So it goes
4: That's what I said That's what I said Tuesday morning That it should be, be a really night. good idea
0: actually
1: mm-hmm.
4: mm. I wonder what an ape
0: is What do you mean?
4: I mean There's not actually something called an ape
2: Try summoning the drinker
4: Soup drinker What's an ape?
2: Apes are a branch of Old World tailless simians native to Africa and Southeast Asia. They are the sister group of the Old World monkeys, together forming the Catarine clade. They are distinguished from other primates by a wider degree of freedom of motion at the shoulder joint as evolved by the influence of brachiation.
0: Marvellous. Well then, I guess that's about all to report. So <laughs> yeah. any, any any books? What did you end up reading? People um, like book recommendations. Right
4: now, I'm reading Before She Was Found by Holly Overton, and it's a book that my friend Jennifer recommended. It's very interesting. It's it's about these, it's it's sort of like based on an urban legend, you know, kind of that whole thing you heard when you were a kid about Bloody Mary and different things like that. But these kids have to do a, uh, a school report on an urban legend, and, and most of them are doing on pretty simple things like the sleepy hollow or the pop rock soda thing but they're doing it on the supposed urban legend in their town and uh, that killed a bunch of people and and down by the train track and Little girl, or a girl that's 12, she was, they found her bloody on the train tracks and yeah. her other friends missing. So it's it's kind of interesting. It's, mm. Jennifer says you really did, she was shocked at how it ended. So oh, I'm dear. curious to see what happens. So. I
0: guess she has more influence over you than I do because I recommended Heads You Win, but you chose to read well, this it's, instead.
4: It's, I have Heads You Win, I just haven't started it yet.
0: Mm, mm, I'll have it. And I wonder what Nancy Catway thinks of Heads You Win because she did. <laughs> Read it mm, Oh, She started a couple of weeks ago And we yeah. haven't had an update since then
1: we mm, yeah. to
4: see what she thought
0: A significant segment of the show like this one Deserves a special announcement So let's give it one Soup drinker Announce It's the body Bulletin Announcing it's the bunny bullet of- Yeah, it, it cuts it off. Anyway, it is. So, welcome to you, bunny. Hello. How are you? Oh, mate. I am just so super well. The weather's better, isn't it?
4: Oh, yeah, it's it's a bit. It's,
0: uh, <laughs>
4: it's a bit. Ah! It's a bit. It was cold like a still.
0: fifth octave G or A flat or something. You.
4: It's a bit cold still. It's no, not it's that not that warm. It is. It's cold. It's
0: damp and rainy. It's, and- that's just rubbish. It is. I mean, we've had a beautiful week for the most part. We had a lovely time at the cricket last Sunday and new zealand won that cricket yeah that was a nice day lovely really good got uh, to about 20 degrees so not too hot not too cold in the goldilocks zone oh it was epic and did you enjoy the cricket
4: i did i was actually able to pay attention for three hours that's about my limit i (laughs) definitely (laughs) could not do a all-day one and definitely could not what about the five the five day no way no way three hours was enough
0: in the World Cup, you went to the New Zealand-Bangladesh game in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and that was a full one day—a
4: long day.
0: Yes, and then you also didn't you come with us to the quarterfinal where I we played so. the West Indies? Yeah, yeah. Oh my word, that was yeah, a good it's game. Just, it's, it all got yeah. a double century in that. Oh, it was tremendous. Yes, that's Eclipse having a little, a little. She gets very excited when we're both. She does. She's in down here with her
4: leopard, her snow leopard.
0: Yeah, right. right, she hasn't I'm, upgraded yet
4: No, and speaking she of hasn't... snow leopards, we went to the zoo on Tuesday
0: Well, you did, I didn't I, did.
4: I went to the zoo
0: And what happened at the zoo?
4: Well, Bonnie's taking us to the zoo tomorrow, zoo <laughs> tomorrow, zoo tomorrow. <laughs> It wasn't the nicest day because oh, it no. was windy yeah. and cold and cloudy So a lot of the animals didn't come out Oh dear They like the sun
0: I hope you got your money back
4: i didn't have to pay all right because um, you're blind no because i was with a group that <laughs> oh. i was one of the staff members with the oh. group oh. from work i see eclipse was fascinated by the monkeys and the monkeys were fascinated by eclipse they were these little tamarind monkeys she was standing at the glass looking in at them and they came over and were looking at her there was a couple of areas that we weren't supposed to go in the mm. zoo because of eclipse and one was the neighbors. Area where there's a lot of Australian animals like kangaroos and a dingo and ostriches, I think. Mm. So we couldn't go in there, and we weren't supposed to go in the farmland area. You were
0: eating an ostrich burger.
4: No. Mm. Is it good?
0: Not too bad. Mm. And we, were, we were, I, Was that was that what inspired you? Not the ostrich burgers, but all the monkeys and things that you saw, to suggest to me over the week that they need to do a version of the Ira call <laughs> tone. Um, then lets so sound like an ape So it goes That's what I said hoo, That's,
4: hoo, 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 that's hoo, what I said Tuesday morning That it should be, be a right really good right idea
0: thing. actually mm-hmm.
4: mm. I wonder what an ape is What do you mean? I mean There's not actually something called an ape
0: Try summoning the drinker
4: Soup drinker What's an ape?
2: Apes are a branch of Old World tailless simians native to Africa and Southeast Asia. They are the sister group of the Old World monkeys, together forming the catarine clade. They are distinguished from other primates by a wider degree of freedom of motion at the shoulder joint as evolved by the influence of brachiation.
0: Marvellous. Well then, I guess that's about all to report. So <laughs> yeah. any, any, any books? What did you end up reading? People um, like book recommendations. Right
4: now I'm reading Before She Was Found by Holly Overton, and it's a book that my friend Jennifer recommended. It's very interesting. It's it's about these, it's it's sort of like based on an urban legend, you know, kind of that whole thing you heard when you were a kid about Bloody Mary and different things like that. But these kids have to do a, uh, a school report on an urban legend, and and most of them are doing on pretty simple things like the sleepy hollow or the pop rock soda thing but they're doing it on the supposed urban legend in their town and uh, that killed a bunch of people and and down by the train track and Little girl, or a girl that's 12, she was, they found her bloody on the train tracks and Ooh. her other friends missing. So it's it's kind of interesting. It's, mm. Jennifer says you really, did, she was shocked at how it ended. So oh, I'm dear. curious to see what happens. So. I
0: guess she has more influence over you than I do because I recommended Heads You Win, but you chose to read well, this it's, it's, instead.
4: I have Heads You Win, I just haven't started it yet.
0: Mm, mm, I look forward to it. And I wonder what Nancy Catway thinks of Heads You Win because she did. <laughs> Read it. Mm, oh, she started a couple of weeks ago, and we haven't yeah. had an update since then. Well,
4: mm, yeah. to see what she thought.
0: Now you can talk to the drinker. Is there anything you want to ask it before you go? No. Oh, soup drinker, you are superfluous.
2: You have happy birthday enabled. Do you want to open it? <gasps> okay.
0: No. <I> <laughs>
1: that,
0: was that was random.
1: That was very <laughs>
0: Hi Jonathan, John here, and I recently discovered your show and I have been enjoying it. Thank you, John, I appreciate that. My question is, he says, how well does JAWS work on a Mac with Windows on VM? Is it usable? Have been wanting to try out a Mac for a long time, but do not want to give Windows up totally. Keep up the good work, says John. He's actually coming through... ...as the Scorpion Sorcerer. (laughs) I'll just back off the mic a little bit. Uh, Jaws works pretty well. We talked about this on a Mosin Explosion and Mosin at Large podcast a few weeks ago. And Robin Christofferson made some pretty relevant comments on this. Bear in mind that you're effectively running two computers on one box when you run a virtual machine... So if you've got a Mac with 16 gigabytes of RAM, you will have to determine how many gigabytes will go to your Mac and how many to Windows. So you could divide it evenly and have two 8-gig machines. Of course, when you close down the virtual machine, your Mac gets the 16 gigs back. You can also run Windows in Bootcamp, and there is a way to run a virtual machine from the boot camp so you could be in complete windows with the whole 16 gigs say or you could be in complete mac or you could run the virtual machine and have the ram the main issue that most people find with virtual machines is how do you map a jaws key and some people use the tool built into. to VMware Fusion itself where you can map a key and some people use the tilde key that doesn't work for me because I have a bunch of JAWS scripts that make use of that tilde key and I need it um not that I'm using a Mac now I haven't I I gave my I sold my Mac um three and a half years ago another way around it was to use a tool called carabiner and steel spiel I can't remember what it was called now or sail was it S-E-I-L, I I think. And um, that was really good when it was working because you could use the caps lock key as your VO key and your JAWS key. So it was brilliant. There was a period there where whatever the operating system was in 2016 came out that it broke, but I believe that may have possibly been fixed. So for my needs, it was really important to have that caps lock key as a... JAWS key, it was just sort of seamless you could use another key I mean, you could use any other key, you could use a function key I suppose, or just something you don't use very often, but yes, I mean it's absolutely usable, it's doable there are a few little idiosyncrasies to learn about, but if you want to give the Mac world a try, then yeah, you should absolutely be able to have Windows and Mac OS coexist so good luck with that John, and if you try it let us know how you get on Microsoft has had a busy week because they've had their Microsoft Ignite conference and they launched a new text-to-speech feature for Cortana in the Outlook app for iOS devices. And with this feature, it's called Play My Emails. The Outlook app uses Cortana's natural language interactions and artificial intelligence to read out your latest emails. Microsoft is aiming this feature at users who want to catch up on their inboxes while doing something else, like driving or working at their desks. Cortana starts by summarising how many emails are new in the user's focused inbox in the last 24 hours, and if there have been any changes to their upcoming daily schedule thanks to integration with Outlook's calendar. Cortana also Uses Microsoft Graph to identify the sender of each email in relationship to the user. So it's easier to know the context of the message without looking at the screen. Because of these abilities and more, Microsoft said that play my emails is more than just a text to speech update, but a way to have a natural conversation with cortana cortana synthesizes the information in the message header and metadata and marries it with the insights about you and information from apps and services that power office 365 this provides a more meaningful and contextual readout the play my emails experience is like having a conversation with your personal assistant Play My Emails is now out. It is just for customers in the United States for the Outlook app on iOS devices. And later, it'll launch on Android. So if you've had a play with this, or if you do have a play with it over the next week, I would be interested to know how you go, because once again, it is one of those features that I can't access here. But it does illustrate what Microsoft is trying to do with Cortana. They're kind of moving away from the Siri soup drinker type, you know, Google type functions and instead focus on this conversational element of um, getting things done in apps like Outlook. And there are people who really prefer Outlook for iOS over Apple's built in app the one thing that keeps me using apple's built-in email app although it's been a bit broken lately i think it might be getting there now is the threaded messaging feature i love the fact that when you've got a nice long thread if all's working correctly you should be able to go to the message rotor that appears in a message set and just swipe down to navigate from message to message it's beautiful and efficient on the other hand the Really nice integration that Outlook has with the calendar and everything is a is a beautiful thing, especially if you're working for an organization like mine that is very steeped in the Microsoft ecosystem. So it's good to have these choices. And, oh, I remember the other reason why I prefer the Apple Mail app over Outlook. And it is that when you double tap on a message to open it, when everything's behaving itself, I have to keep using these uh Caveats these days with iOS, when everything's behaving itself, focus is put at the top of the email body and you just start reading. With Outlook, that isn't the case either. And you've got all this header information you have to sift through. I think if that issue could be dealt with, that sort of focus on the body of the message, which is something that affects you every single message you open, I'd be more inclined to give Outlook a bit longer of a chance to see how it fits into my workflow.
1: Jonathan,
0: Jonathan, it's your fault if my house was untidy last week, says Nancy Catway. How's that for shirking individual responsibility? Hey, how's that? Because once I started reading Heads You Win, this is by Jeffrey Archer, I couldn't put it down. That's the thing about Jeffrey Archer books, they are page turners, they are enthralling. When I start reading a Jeffrey Archer book, I just have to read it from start to finish. Nothing can keep me away from a new Jeffrey Archer book. Nancy continues, excellent book. Although the way the two worlds started to converge near the end was a bit unbelievable. Still, the surprise ending was extremely, in all capitals, believable. Now I'm going to look for the Detective Warwick series. But I'd better vacuum the house once over before I do in case I get caught up in the next book, too. Good on you, Nancy. It is good, isn't it? And I also recommend, well, I recommend most of Jeffrey Archer's books. The Clifton Chronicles. That's also very good. You may want to look at the Clifton Chronicles before The Detective Warwick books, because the Detective Warwick books sort of have come from the Clifton Chronicles, but you could absolutely read them before. So no problem there. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I really do like Geoffrey Archer as a storyteller. He just spins a good yarn. And the thing I also like about Geoffrey Archer, I mean, people have described him as a bit of a likable rogue. He's had so many setbacks in his life and, to be fair, uh, many of them of his own making, but he's so resilient. He bounces back. He seems to just keep on going, you know. As I said, it's a busy old time in Microsoft land with the Microsoft Ignite conference. They have been making various announcements and they announced over the week that the new Chromium version of Microsoft Edge which I am using as my full-time browser, although I have come across a little bit of an issue with it this week. But um, by and large, it's really good. And it is coming out of testing. There's a release candidate now. Since the release candidate's came out, I've had a little bit of an issue with launching apps. I can't get to the allow button to give permission for a third-party app to launch, and I used to be able to. So hopefully that'll be addressed. But the release candidate is out, and they are going to be releasing the official version of the Microsoft Edge for Chromium on the 15th of January. And uh, this is going to be great. I think that it will be pretty quickly since it will eventually find its way into the operating system as the default browser. People are going to love it. It's quick It's really super duper accessible other than this really weird issue I'm having where I can't find the allow button anymore and I used to be able to find it. But they will hopefully sort that out. I'm really excited about what Microsoft have done with Edge and I don't think too many people will be sorry to see the back of the old version of Edge. They are also testing a new Microsoft Office app for iOS. It contains Word, Excel and PowerPoint all in the one app. It is available now on flights, if you want to give this a go, you can find a link in various media outlets and things to this new Microsoft Office all-in-one app. It does appear to be specifically for iOS and not iPad OS. If you are not in the land of the soup drinker and you instead have a Google Home or perhaps you have both, you may not know if you're in the US that hundreds of channels from SiriusXM are now available to stream using Google Assistant, making them easily accessible on smart speakers like the Nest Mini or smart displays like the Nest Hub. The feature is available in both the US and in Canada, and you can request channels with commands like "Play Howard 100 on SiriusXM" or "Hey Thing." Play the Beatles channel on Sirius XM. Sirius XM has been available on the soup for a little while now, and the two companies even partnered last year to offer three months of the service free for anyone who signed up using Amazon's portal. This time, Google is offering a similar 3 months Sirius XM trial for anyone who purchases a Google Nest speaker or smart display so they're not offering it for existing users you will need to be a serious xm subscriber to access the service but google has confirmed to the verge who broke the story that the feature will work with any of the services packages including the eight dollar per month essential bundle that it launched earlier in the year initially the feature will only cover audio content But over time, Google and SiriusXM are planning to expand the service to include video content like iStudio performances and interviews, which will be viewable on Nest Hub and Nest Hub Max smart displays. Blind people have been speeding up our books and audio for yonks. One of the really cool things about Overcast that I like is that its speeding up algorithm is remarkably good doesn't sort of sound all digital and nasty like some of the speeding up algorithms. Well, there is some limited testing going on in, of all apps, Netflix. The Netflix people have thought maybe people wouldn't mind speeding up the content a little bit to get through it more quickly in this busy age in which we live. And some of the content creators are really angry about this. I mean, do they know that people are speeding up audio books and podcasts and other content? Not only blind people are doing it, but it's a big mainstream thing as well. Perhaps this this is a different set of content creators. We're talking about the movie industry, the TV industry. They are notoriously reactionary. And boy, are they reacting to this? They say Netflix has got no right, no right to do this. It's a violation of the terms on which they have been given access to the content because it is modifying the user experience. It's modifying the way that users engage with the content and it's not acceptable. So they're potentially going to take some legal action. They're discussing this with Netflix. They say, don't do this. You're not allowed. It's a breach of your license that we've given you to use the content. And if you don't stop, we might take it a way. What do you think of this? Would you use something like this on Netflix? Would you speed the content up if you were watching, I don't know, The Crown or House of Cards or something like that? Is that something you'd use? Brian Gaff, in response to the news story about speeding up Netflix and the outrage being expressed by the TV and movie industry about this. He says, what planet are these people on? We used to speed movies and shows up in the VCR days. Did we? I never had a VCR with a speed control, Brian. That would have been quite cool. What VCR did you have? What had a speed control? Hello, Jonathan, says David Globe. I enjoy using an app called Autour. This is said with a French accent. I will also use the GPS feature on the iPhone for walking directions. I remember Otua actually because we had the guy who was developing it. I believe it was from a university in Canada that was developing this app, and he was on a very early episode of the Blind Side, one of the earliest episodes of the Blind Side. So it's good to know that that app is still around. I don't recall, because I did that interview, it must have been in 2016, I think, and I don't remember what their claim to fame was, but I do remember it is a specific blindness app. So it's good to know that they're still doing work. I presume they are still doing work on it, David, and that you find it helpful. So thanks for that. If you have anything more to tell me about that app and how it works and, and why you like it, that would be most interesting, and I'm sure other listeners would enjoy hearing about that too. Brian Gaff has been back in touch to say that he had a Toshiba VCR with a kind of a digital speeding up thing. It was a bit choppy, he said, but it did work. And if it broke, it was a bear to get fixed. That was actually the case with quite a lot of Toshiba stuff in those days. But that is interesting. Brian also writes in about BritBox. Now, BritBox is something that has been around for quite a while in the United States. So if you're in the U.S., You can go to the BritBox website and you've been able to do this for quite some time and you can subscribe and in the one place, Netflix style, you can get a lot of British TV and quite a bit of it is classic British TV as well. And now BritBox is coming to the UK. They're bringing it home and the BBC and ITV are collaborating on BritBox for the UK market. And Brian Gaff tells me something I didn't know before, which is that the RNIB, the major blindness agency in the UK, have pinged, they have castigated, ouch, castigated the Britbox people because there's not a single audio described title on there. And the Britbox people have said, well, we're sorry, it just wasn't ready. We'll do it for the next version. Brian quite rightly says, well, if it was um, to do with the pictures and the pictures weren't really, they wouldn't release it, would they? So it kind of is a commentary on how they perceive blind people in terms of their importance. And that concludes episode 11 of the Mosin at Large podcast. Really appreciate all the feedback that we've been getting on the podcast. If you'd like to share yours, Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N at mushroomfm.com with an audio attachment or just write something down. Or the listener lines,
1: 864-60-MOSIN.